you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here he is, the man of your podcast, Derek McCaw. As it feels like we're having a laid-back, casual podcast this evening, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. We're missing the enthusiasm and excitement of Nate Costa tonight because he is sharing it all with his television, watching a Warriors game. That's not necessarily true. He might still be dealing with car trouble. He might. But it's not often that somebody calls into a podcast saying, I've got car trouble, I can't get there. Isn't it better to just imagine that he's enjoying himself? I think he's probably enjoying himself. All right. So uh, we are podcasting on Wednesday, December 2nd at 8 p.m. And we are not responsible for any nerd news that happens after 8 p.m. tonight. We're probably not responsible for any nerd news that happened after about 5 p.m. tonight. Yeah, that's probably true. So, uh, But we got some comics news, movie news, TV news. But first of all, of course, taking... Nate's position as announcer, as well as his usual job of podcast producing and hosting physically at the Brett Cave. I like the way you hold your hands out in front of you. Like Very visual. Tented. Rick Brett Snyder. I'm still in sort of evil genius you dolphin are, mode. You are, you are. <laughs> Wait, I should be doing that. Should be that conversation. <laughs> Wait a minute. Evil genius dolphin? Uh, of course, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please rate us, please subscribe to us, and write a review. We'd appreciate it. And, of course, tell your friends. You can do the same on the Stitcher app, and you can, of course, find us at fanboyplanet.com, where each and every podcast has a page of its own, where you may also find Amazon links to items that we have talked about on the podcast. And if you're intrigued by something we've talk, we talk about tonight and you think you want to get it, and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store because we do want to keep those comic book stores thriving and we do include barnes and noble i've yes. walked in there yesterday my gosh their graphic novel section has oh, yeah. exploded it's amazing they're a good place to buy games too board games. yeah i saw that too so uh we do want to say you can find things at the amazon link or in the amazon search box where you can also find there's a paypal link if you'd like to help pay for the hosting of this podcast or of the website which has lots of goodies and pictures and and hopefully occasionally intriguing articles uh we appreciate the support and as always if you have questions comments compliments commentary criticism You find yourself later in this podcast shouting at us with the answer to something that we cannot find the actual name of. Do not hesitate to write in at editor at fanboyplanet.com. So let's talk. Uh, uh, We'll start with some comics news. We, it's almost like checking in with the Secret Wars, which is actually becoming the Secret Hundred Years War yeah, exactly. in Marvel, where uh, I don't know who needs the to sit down with who to end this. The secret is going to, when it's going to end. No, no, no. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's no secret. Marvel's announced it again. It's just that they keep changing the end date, uh, which is now, it is sometime in mid-January that the ninth issue of Secret Wars is due to come out. Now, the problem is, if you're just catching up to Secret Wars and you're not reading Marvel... It, in and of itself, it's an intriguing, as someone just said to me the other day, an intriguing what-if story. Is that is what it feels like? The whole thing. The whole thing. Is yeah, it a yeah. very intriguing what-if story where all these alternate realities are clashing and colliding? It really is finally Marvel's 
Crisis on Infinite Earths. I've said it because they bobbled it as badly as Crisis on Infinite Earths at this point, which is that it is not only delayed, it was supposed to be done by early October so that Marvel could launch an entirely new wave of of number ones that were supposed to start eight months after Secret Wars ended. Mm -hmm. So the consequences of Secret Wars, we have now... Uh, been reading we, for we're a already couple been of weeks. Seeing. So, like, one thing is, if you are reading Secret Wars and going, I wonder if the evil Reed Richards, a.k.a. the maker, survives, well, he's the villain of the of the new Avengers. Right. Uh, and so that was revealed, you know, weeks a couple ago. months ago. Yeah. And so, you know, anything that's a potential cliffhanger, potential spoiler, has now been spoiled, including the mystery of, as I was saying to Rick earlier tonight, reading Ms. Ms. Marvel number one, like, well, what does the ordinary person think happened? And is it, and we already know that now in Ms. Marvel number one. And, uh, I don't know, and, uh, yes, there's a little, at least totally awesome, which we'll probably talk about more. At least some of the books have kind of hinted like they're flashing back to something within the last eight months. Right. But, you know, again, the only mystery now left in Secret Wars is, when will it be done? When? 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 Right. So, uh, and I know this is driving retailers crazy. You know, it, it, as as problems go, it's not that bad, though, because it the Secret Wars was basically a fun exercise. But there's, and, and I'll comment on it later. There's only one book that I I know of that has a direct line out of the Secret Wars from the, from the standpoint of plot remind me that i believe there's at least another at least one other okay um because we actually talked about it and okay. that, there, that there is one other um and hopefully no secret wars is not going to be over before that number 1 comes out yeah. uh so uh, marvel is also courting more controversy if you recall a few months ago uh they announced no, I'm not talking about the cosplay variant covers, which are wonderful. Uh, but they, which all the, many of these number ones have cosplay variants to them. And, uh, I think I actually got one. Is I, it Yayo Han? She's, yeah, she's on one this month. And Miss, uh, Miss Cat Quinn, uh-huh. who is a star of Sweethearts of the Galaxy, a web series that we ran, uh, directed by my friend Dex Adriano, who is an editor on, um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So I'm very excited that, oh, uh, cool. My friend Dex got that, landed that sweet gig. Uh, so, um, anyway, it's not the cosplay variants that caused controversy. It was the hip hop cover variants, which at the time that they announced, there was almost no diversity in their creator's slate for Marvel. And so they announced, uh, this week that they're going to release a free, uh, how are they phrasing it? Uh, a, one free sampler in January that will have the 14 best hip hop variant covers in the sampler. So if you thought it was an interesting artistic exercise, you can have a book that has them sort of as pin up splash pages, wherever you want to say it, yeah. gallery pages and include these covers. Now the question I have is, is I know that many of my friends on Facebook, uh, in the industry who were, uh, were creators of some diversity were upset that they were kind of co-opting the hip hop culture without having a diverse slate of creators. Now in the month since, they have gone a long way, I believe, save again for the 50-year-old white guy to say, uh, that they've really broadened the slate of, of, of how many uh, how many different creators. It's not basically, it's not just 50-year-old white guys writing and drawing. Right. Uh, it's a more diverse bullpen. It's a much more, 
Do they still call it the bullpen? I do. It's because we're old. We remember that. And we also say that we know that Joe Casada gets up on Joe's soapbox. It's just not as, yeah, it's not as alliterative. What is he's Cup of Joe now, right? Cup of so, Joe. Cup of Joe, yeah. Comic-Con. So he still has his cup. Uh, but anyway, yeah. um, so if you were intrigued by that, you know, the thing I wonder about variant covers now is when they release all the all of them, the question is, I mean, do you, do you need the covers or do you just collect the JPEGs from different websites. It's one and of those things where a, it's kind of funny because you, they, they are more expensive. Mm-hmm. You, almost uniformly, they're more expensive than the standard covers. And they're hit and miss as to whether or not they're worth it. But people go insane over them and try and collect them all. And it, it's, you know, you, we, this is, this is a, a hobby in, into which there are a, a number of clinical dysfunctionalities that are somehow helped along by the industry. And how many of those do you have? Most of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, and not the variant covers. We're talking about the clinical dysfunction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, 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 good. I've been making sure. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, let me, uh, one of mine is I accidentally got her name wrong. It's Miss Kit Quinn. It just occurs to me it's not Cat ah, Quinn. Yeah. So I hate getting people's names wrong. Uh, so I apologize for that. Uh, she was the wasp on, a, I think, the cover of New Avengers. And I think that's the one yeah. I, I spent because yeah. I actually you know, met her at Big Wow last year and went, oh, you should run ice. You know? and, uh, she has and, some, the black costume with the metal, yeah, gold metal yeah, front. And yeah. I, and I uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Sweet Rose of the Galaxy, and not just because a friend of mine directed it. You know, I was just kind of like, oh, that's a, that's a clever idea. It was fun. Um, so uh, it was announced yesterday by Variety, I believe it was, that broke it, uh, that uh, Paul Dini is writing a Batman story, but not for DC. It's for Vertigo, uh, called uh, teaming with Eduardo Riso, who was, of course, the artist on 100 Bullets for Vertigo. Uh, it's called Dark Knight, A True Batman Story. Uh, did you read about I this? Have not. So it's going to be a 120 page graphic novel that's autobiographical. It's uh, apparently in 1993, after some success, he was mugged and beaten very badly. And uh, so it, he's telling the story of his assault and trying to work through psychologically, which, you know, that is, you get, you get your flashbacks, you know, there, there's yeah, terror, yeah. trying to work through. And then he's kind of playing a little play it again, Sam, because he'd already been working on Batman the Animated Series. So he's got the dark basically knight talking behind him. Batman and all the rogues galleries. Interesting. Uh, rogues galleries. So the Joker is sort of the one, you know, at time to get the vengeance and all this and Batman there. So he, he compared it in an interview to uh, like Played Against Sam, which is the Woody Allen play and movie from the early 70s in which Woody Allen gets inspiration from the ghost of Humphrey Bogart, or rather in his head. The image of Yes, him. and, uh, you know, it was Paul Dini says, Paul Dini says something like, you know, the characters speak to me, but not in any crazy way. That was his quote. <laughs> I thought, I understand. And uh, it, it's interesting because, one, it's in the Vertigo imprint, and I love these kinds of personal things where someone uses comics for a, a for a, I don't want to call healing. it a confessional, but a healing thing. Yeah. And it goes along, I've never read it, the Stephen T. Siegel and I think it's Teddy Christensen did the art of a, one they did called It's a Bird which is about Superman's influence on the creators' lives. Nice. And um, so that was from Vertigo. And, and so it's just interesting. I'm really looking forward to this because, one, I don't think I've ever read anything by Paul Dini that I didn't like. Uh-huh. Not that there's – there's not a lot of comics work. There's, I mean, he's done Zatanna and, you know, an occasional miniseries here and there. He's been mostly working in animation and games because he wrote the Arkham Asylum games. Um, 
And what was most recently, uh, he was on, I want to say Spectacular Spider-Man, but I mean, it's the new one. It's Web War. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man. The Marvel yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man it has Paul Dini working on it. So he's fantastic animation. I'm really looking forward to this book. And it comes out in June. And I love Eduardo Riso's art. So I just you know want to call it out to people to be aware that this is coming. As I wrote on our gift guide, it's like, I, there's like so many things where I want to add. One thing I forgot to write that you write down on the agenda that you are going to want to know about is IDW just got the rights to reprint a comic series I had no idea existed, and that is 1960s British Star Trek comics, which were done before anyone in England had ever seen Star Trek. Wow. All they had was publicity photos from NBC, and the contractual rights to run it had fallen through, but they already had the comics rights, so they went ahead and did a bunch of comic stories. Wow. And these haven't been reprinted anywhere. And how many I, are there? I mean, IDW. I, I don't know it's how many. It's got to be a limited series. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. But I, it's, yeah. like, it's like a year's worth of running in, you know, how comic, they, England they did the you know, weekly serials. Cool. And this is, so all they had was photo reference. And and if you thought that some of the gold key stories were wild, like oh they were crazy, they were crazy. Then apparently the British one is even more crazy because they knew even less than than we did. What was so, weird about the gold key is they they bring up devices and stuff that you never saw on the show, or the costumes well, would change. Re- I or, can remember reading a gold key story where I had watched the show, but I had not seen an episode with Earth in it. So when they right, uh, when right. there was the Voodoo Planet uh, issue. And they showed like the Sphinx getting destroyed, and people were walking around, were running around in '60s clothing. I thought, oh, Star Trek doesn't take place in the future. Yeah, because I was like six or seven, and going yeah. like, all right. I mean, I, I don't think I'd even caught a reference because they just said star date. I don't think they'd ever, I'd ever caught a reference, reference to what century time. it was. Yeah. So you know, and it's like, how did that get passed? But that's how little people right, cared about right, the right. editing. But, you know, the art was pretty good. Um, and I, I who was a checkerboard. Checkers reprinted this, the uh, gold key ones. And I think that IDW was going to I reprint them. I think I have them. two graphic novels of the gold key books. I think, you know, I know someone had done it a few years or ago. And, and I think IDW was going to do it. And I and I mean to pick those up because they're just fun. They're not obviously anything close to Star Trek canon. No. But, um, they're closer to Swiss Family Robinson or the Space Family yeah, Robinson. Yeah. So, uh Anyway, uh, so I just wanted to call it out because that's something, and unfortunately not coming out until March. Otherwise, I would have totally added that to the gift guide of like, that's just bizarre for the Star Trek fan who thinks they have everything. There is still one more thing coming out that nobody nobody knew about. so let's move to we, we we don't have as much competition this week. No, it's that section of the of the podcast that we. <clears throat> what's in the bag? What's in the bag? What's in the bag? In I can't bag. I can't do it justice. What was that Barnes and Barnes song? What's in the Fish heads? some? No, something's in the bag. Oh, have you never heard that song? Something's in the bag. No. Oh, it's disturbing, mommy. Anyway, something's in the bag, and it's comics. So this is the time where we talk about some of the high points of comics that are out this week. So, Rick, what would be the first thing that you would recommend this week? Well, since we just kind of talked about it, I'm picking out Red Wolf number one, which mm-hmm. I nearly didn't pick up because. I, it has been a controversial book before it ever came out. It, it was primarily controversial because of the way that the Red Wolf character was portrayed in that ad that that talked about the new the no. The new we Marvel talked Universe. about why it's been primarily controversial because Nathan Edmondson has a history of uh, 
harassment or an alleged history of harassment. Well, originally so, it was be, it right. was because they portrayed him in the kind of stereotypical the, Indian wasn't garb. Was that not the seventies way he appeared? Was Except he like, you you look at it kind of funny, and he's got like leather versions of Cap's boots. You know the kind of yeah. the the wine the 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 fold over top yeah. parts and. So he's kind of a weird, and he's he looked more like Turok, uh, son of stone, you know, with the bow and arrow stuff. But um, I, I went ahead because I loved I loved the original series. No connection at all to the original series other than the name. Um, this is the book I was alluding to earlier when I said this one actually is a direct line story coming out of eighteen seventy two, the Marvel uh, mm-hmm. the Marvel Secret Wars. Uh, four issue series and which uh it was 1602 i keep on getting the number wrong. 1602 1602 was a prior effort where they put all in in new america where the the people had come to america and they were they were the pilgrims or whatever had founded the the, the states and we were they were they had the amount, uh, the analogs to the Manhattan okay, slight, space superheroes. No, no uh, well, a slight misrepresentation. It was in England that they had found Virginia Dare True. from Roanoke and brought her to England. So everyone was in the continent. Uh, it was on the European continent, and then they it ended in the in the Americas. Right. I guess the sequel to it. All, was yes, all that's the right. Americas. There were some that's sequels, but that wasn't written by Neil Gaiman, yeah. so I stopped reading it. So. In the same way, they take the same characters from modern day and put them back in the time. So it's Tony Stark is a drunkard and also a you know. A so again, it's a, it's a what if, or even more so, an Elseworlds. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's it's an alternate alternate universe history. Although I'm not going to spoil the end, but the end lends itself to think that there's a much bigger story going on here, which implies, by the way, that at least that series has an end that we already know. So that's good. Yeah. So, um, Red Wolf, uh, number one, I'm probably in at least for the second okay. issue. Uh, if it had been like 90 per, 90% of this book, I was kind of going, okay, 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 okay. And then mm-hmm. finally they hit something and I went, oh, maybe I'll pick up, I'll pick up the second issue then. So. Yeah, the other series would say that's going to spin out directly is Squadron Supreme because yeah. they are survivors of their Earths yeah. and they remember. And, you know, so um, because you're right, almost everything else that I've picked up, has basically applied, Nothing. no, it didn't yeah. matter what anything, other than I would kind of assume the maker does remember what had happened. But uh, Yeah, I can see that. I don't know if you, I thought that was the one you skipped, was the new the new Avengers, the one with I did Sunspot. Skip that. Yeah, so the maker does seem to know what he's doing in that. Yeah. You know, so. I, almost, I almost bought it because it had the maker in it, but then I thought, you know, I'm, I'm really looking for. Yeah. Well, okay, so my next up is uh, one from uh, Aftershock Comics, a new imprint. Uh, that's got some really high quality uh, creators involved. Uh, Brian Azzarello is creating a book for for them. Uh, let's see who else. Marguerite Bennett, who has been all over Marvel and DC recently. Garth Ennis is releasing a book called uh, Dreaming Eagles. And Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, who have been successful with uh, Starfire and Harley Quinn over at DC, are now doing Super Zero. But this is actually by Paul Jenkins and an artist I didn't know named Andy Clark uh, called Replica. And so this is not both the first issue and that's the joke of number one um, because it's a book about a cop who's in sort of a – it's a science fiction – well, like I'm going to say, the other concept was science fiction too, Sinisher from Mundus right. Bar and Grimjack. Right, The right. idea that all these alien races come together, but it's like a – it's it's it, it's a 
space station that was discovered by every alien race. So there, there are not just hundreds of races. There's like a million races trying to coexist within this space station and figure out who built it, who left it there. And each region is ruled by a different, uh, is governed by a different set of laws. So it's about the human cop trying to be the cop where the earth laws are in control, even though that doesn't mean everybody's human. In fact, far from it. And that's the problem is like everybody on, on the force comes from different moralities, different legalities. So they do have jurisdictional. They have jurisdictional. And so authority. this, so this cop, uh, is tired of, of trying to deal with, like, he's got a partner who doesn't understand how to, how to handle things. He's like kind of like Drax as far as thinking everything literally, um, doesn't know how to bluff. So he discovers that there's a cut rate cloning. Looks a little like Drax. Yeah, there's a cut rate cloning. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this had been like a pitch originally for uh, for a Drax book or something. But there's a cut rate cloning um, facility, and there's an accident, and the clones get out of control. So basically, he becomes his own one man police force with he's number one, and then uh, and then he's got a s- several that he was thinking that would be the dream situation that if every cop was like was him, him. Yeah. he could handle everything. And of course, it's it's not. It's going out of control. And hilarity ensues. No, it's actually Is not it that funny. It's no? uh, there's a little bit, but it's really a good adventure. Um, okay. And Paul Jenkins had just done for Boom uh, Deathmatch, which had taken that idea of you know the, basically Secret Wars, the original Secret Wars, and turned on its head of like all these superheroes are getting kidnapped, and then they have to fight to the death. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the promise of Secret Wars w- without the being bogged down by marketing continuity and having <laughs> and not being allowed to actually kill anybody. Uh, so. Uh, it's it's really interesting, and this aftershock it's one to watch. And uh, I felt it was a little short. It was three ninety nine, which isn't a bad price for it. Um, but the story felt like I think maybe just because I got so caught up in it and the art I loved, it just felt a little bit short. But it may just be because I was reading through it so so fast. So fast. But then there's a nice couple pages of preview of the next book by uh, Marguerite Bennett and Ariella Cristantina, who's an artist I don't know, called Insects. Um, which is 19th century sci-fi fantasy thing, um, which is dealing with issues of sexuality, as the title implies, and it's uh, that looks interesting too. And so they're they're not overloading too much. One new book a week, which may turn out to be a, 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 a bit overloading, but I suspect that some of these are miniseries and intended to be. Yeah, but um, you know and it's that's like, fine. I mean, yeah, no, I'm I, see you got a story. I'm at this point that I done. would much rather do. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, I grow tired of, of, I just want to give me a good story and right. then I can move on to somebody else's good story. And then when you come back again, I'll read your good story again, yep. you know? So anyway, I'm tired of the never ending battle. I'd like to see how it ends sometimes. So next up on yours. Well, I'm going to represent for Nate because this is the week that the totally awesome Hulk comes out. Issue number one by Pac Cho and Greg Robach. Pack and Frank Cho with Amadeus Cho. Yes. Um, and, and his little sister, who I did not know existed. No, we, fallen we've away never from seen her before, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that uh, he's kind of got the Wally West uh, affliction, where he needs to eat a lot to transform. And, that was an interesting touch. Yeah, and there's and, no spoiler. That's like in the first couple of pages. And the fact that they 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 go around in a, a lunch wagon, <laughs> so she's fixing him food as he's, as he's doing his... Uh, his stuff. This is uh, beautiful, just beautiful Frank Cho artwork. This was a favorite page of mine when he loses his pants. Um, the uh, not that you get it's uh, it's it's, it's properly good. Yeah, it's yeah. properly censored. Um, 
and the idea that I, I imagine they're they're using PIM particles to put away the monsters. Well, I like that they created an. I, I don't know how long protocol. it's been in continuity. You know the uh, PIM von Doom intelligence scale. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen that referenced in a book before. I thought that was a clever idea that that's because you know that's a joke in. Um, DC universe that like when they introduce Lex Luthor, he's always the second smartest man on earth, you know? And, and so how are these things measured? And you go, okay, so Amadeus Cho is now the eighth. down to number. What doesn't he? He said, it said the eighth. In this is book. it? Cause she says like the seventh. And then he says, no, I'm the eighth. According to Pim. Yeah. Like he knocks himself down one. Yeah. 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 No, that, that we, and there was actually an, a, uh, a discussion in the comic store today. as to, no one had read this yet, but how smart, what, where was he? And I thought he had been three at one point, but he's the eighth. I don't remember. I'm going to go back in because those are really good in the aftermath of Planet Hulk. Yeah. Uh, World War Hulk and then the the Incredible Herc. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a logical out, uh, offshoot of the Hulk. It is always, as it says in the beginning, he always thought the Hulk was a great superhero. And now by taking yeah. over the role, he gets to prove it. But I just, uh, Pim, uh, Cho. Is just every page, every every page, every spread, every character, every look like this. When when they, he says, "Oh, uh, she Hulk," she's like forty, and then the mm-hmm. look on her face is so good. And you look at the you look at this kind of characterization, and it, it, he's got a Hulk with not exaggerated, but definitely Asian features. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just uh, Cho is just such an amazing artist. Just so perfect. Well, and I miss I miss Liberty Meadows. Yeah, I do, I yeah. do. But now we have the Hulk. Well, we have it's, the it's still awesome. Not, it's and it's totally awesome. Still no Liberty Meadows. Yeah. But uh, you know, I thought that was a great book as well. Um, so uh, my next would be because uh, I know I don't, I don't want to steal your other one. Um, is haven't had a chance to read yet, but the next big um, oh, I'm not going to go where you think I'm going to is uh, Robin War. Uh, so basically another book to define who Dick Grayson is um, with all the Robins, which is still going on with Batman and Robin forever uh, or Batman and Robin Eternal. I'm sorry, Eternal, not forever. Yeah. That would that would have been an interesting, uh, interesting book. Um, but this is Court of Owls taking down all the Robins. So is there going to be another big crossover? And the thing is, DC's kept a pretty tight, you know, editorial on these. And I have not felt as one, I should say, better – I don't feel like I have to read every every issue. Yeah, you know the Alpha and the Omega issues have been really all I need to do. Or in this case, it is number one, so one of two. That I, I feel that I can just dabble on the crossover books and I'll be fine, and just read by the two issues of this. And you know, I might have missed some fight scenes, but that's okay. So that core book is only two issues. Yes, but okay. I suspect they're probably like three months apart, so that. There's a month of just cro- of like what's happening in Ro- in Batman son of, or in yeah. Robin son of Batman. What's happening in We Are Robin, which I will skip because I don't really enjoy that no. book. Uh, maybe Batman and Robin Eternal will cross over in there. Someone's got to go on in Batman and Detective. You know, so, it's so got- I'm not reading anything except for Batman and Robin Eternal and um, Robin son of Batman. Those are the two main ones I'm reading. I'm reading Batman because this the Jim Gordon and the armor has actually been handled really well. Yeah, it was it was that was on the bubble for me, but I tilted off. So I I would have tilted off, except that you know again when I read the Joker Endgame, I'm like Scott Snyder's one to watch, so I yeah. want to see what he does with yeah. it. And again, if you're going to do something different like that, I want to you know I that'll hold my attention. Hmm. You know, it was good enough. You know, and and the same with Batman and Superman, the two different versions of. 
Batman and Superman and that crossover book has been interesting too. So, all right, next up for you. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is not the one you were thinking about, but I'm going to talk about The Vision, uh, issue two, uh, which is The Visions, the family that uh, The Vision has created mm-hmm. for himself in to live, to have a suburban lifestyle and to live uh, like a human. And I this is... This one is it, I, I like it because it's kind of challenging me to like it. It's it's not necessarily doing what I expect, and the idea that it's let me down in a couple places. I didn't like the introduction of the Grim Reaper as a villain and just say, out of nowhere. And as I would say, that's what let me down completely. I, I was not <laughs> interested in. Do, I was looking for a reason not to buy and, and that's yeah. and that's where that's where Marvel's challenge is right now. I'm yeah. willing to give them give these new number ones a chance, both at Marvel and DC. Right. But the thing is I'm also looking to not get involved in yep. a new book. Yep. And, you know, there are there are weeks when I go in there and go, well if my son wasn't reading comics and if Fanboy Planet didn't exist, I'd stop. Yeah. Because it's enough to pick up a trade paperback here and there and I'm satisfied. Yeah. And you get the joy of, of the weekly habit reading. is needs to get cut down again, you yeah. know. And the reality, because we're we're all just spending too much money. And my, my complaint to Titan Books, by the way, you've got four doctors, five doctors. Don't release them all in one week. Anyway, go ahead. That's my small belief. Soapbox. At least as far as this book goes, is this is not going to be a long run book. I I can't see the story the storyline at least going very long, and I don't think the Vision is a character that really does work well on a solo basis. But it's one of my favorite characters. Some so. of these titles need, well, and, and he needs to be focused. See, I guess my thing is, right now, the visions, uh, the awareness of the vision in the public consciousness is, is not going to be higher, ever higher right. than now because you're about to release Age of Ultron on home video or you already have. I'm not right. sure which. Uh, Ant-Man comes out next week. So you've already released Age of Ultron People on home video. People know who the vision is. Um we didn't catch a glimpse of him yet in the Civil War trailer, but he's there. Is that the book that someone who wants to read about the Vision is going to go in and get hooked? In? It's the rare it's misstep. Not at all. But it's a very different idea, yeah. and I understand that. I yeah. just didn't like the idea. Yeah. So glad they took the chance. Not interested. Um, my uh, wait. Did we switch out? No. So this is three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did this it? is the third one. That was my third. All right. Okay. And so the next one, the third one that I will give is just because I always want to shout out. And we had a brief conversation at a party at Comic-Con with him, uh, Chris Roberson's take on Doc Savage from Dynamite. So a new, I just love a cover that makes me feel like, although the art doesn't necessarily feel like an old James Bama cover. It's like uh, Alex Toth, right? Yeah, it does look like Toth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That... uh, the Spider's Web, Doc Savage, The Spider's Web, number one, with an uh, art interior art that I like better than had been on the previous miniseries by a guy named uh, Cesar Razek. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm I, willing to go there. I haven't had a chance to read it, but it looks like it's flipping around in time periods the way the original miniseries did. And when we talked to Chris Roberson at the summer, he said that's what he just wanted to do. He wanted to set up that there was always an amazing – how many right. in whatever era you wanted to play with. The doc he, always had a team. And he wanted to define who the team is so yeah. you can go around in time. So I'm intrig- very excited to read this. So happy for that. And then, of course, in the back, of, ooh, the back of all the Marvel books has an ad for the Avengers Lego game, um, which should be fun. Everything okay there? We're all good. All right. Uh, let's move to movies, which is that uh, 
this week some set photos. I think this time was official. There had been a couple leaks, and I didn't want to talk about it because, like, I think an actor accidentally posted Instagram photos from the Wonder Woman set, and he might have got in trouble because they disappeared. So I didn't report because I'm very cognizant of this is the consequence people don't think about in this era, that uh, in this age, that people get involved in these really geek fantastic geek tastic pro- projects. Right. But companies still want to keep their secrets. Yes. And people get fired. Um, you know, when but they're excited. But some people, and that's right to have happen. Right. But I don't want to be part of helping right. that publicize something that could potentially get somebody fired. And you know, this is it was all cool when we were in the front the wild frontier of the early days of Ian and Cool News and really even to some extent the early days of Fanboy Planet, where we ran with a couple of bad rumors because it's like, Oh, you want to get get eyes on the right, site right. and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to make sure that everybody, you know, everybody is trustworthy and that it's, although as one of them I said, like suicide squad must have the worst security in the world. Cause so much stuff leaked out of there. And the same thing starting to happen with wonder woman, which do confirm this week that, and I think this is a great approach is that it doesn't, the first half of the movie doesn't take place in world war two. It takes place in world war one. Oh. And that that's Diana's first appearance. Interesting. Which nobody's tried that. So I'll I'll give Warner Brothers credit yeah. for taking a very different tack. But on a flip side, if you're in Los Angeles this weekend, on Saturday night at the Comic Bug, which is co-owned by my friend Mike Wellman, who is the creator of Guns Ablazing with Rafael Navarro, uh, and what was the – there was an earlier book, and I always forget it because I – I have never never read it. Oh. Um, but anyway, he's a great retailer, and he has two shops, the Comic Bug. The one in Manhattan Beach is having a fully endorsed by Joss Whedon public reading of Joss Whedon's Wonder Woman script. The one that is not The one that, that, that Warner Brothers movie. rejected years ago uh-huh. before he was hired to direct the Avengers. And, you know, so... I don't know what's in it. I'm not going to be there this weekend. I'm very disappointed. But I, I think I caught a glimpse that Josh Dysart, the writer from uh, of Harbinger and uh, that we knew from Unknown Soldier, Unknown Soldier and has been a longtime yeah. f- f- uh, friend of the podcast, is playing Steve Trevor Wow! in the in the script reading. So big table read. They've just hired people, you yeah. know, bringing people in. It's a party. It's LA. Do you think they'll bring in a Foley People. I don't know what they're. I I don't know what they're going to do. I'm just excited that it's happening yeah. and that it's approved of by Jaws, and that it's a really cool thing to do in uh in the comic book. And the Manhattan Beach store is really is really well set up for that. Okay, you know it it, it goes all the way back. You can kind of pull some things back, and they have a a back section that has been used for stand up, been used for movie nights. Uh, you know, it's definitely which is what I think that, that comic book stores need to do to. You know, thrive really is they truly have built a community and and it's also a, a footprint in a store that really allows for the community to gather and have fun cool and so i think it, it's it's a great move saturday december 5th in manhattan beach at 7 p.m at the comic bug um my favorite movie story of the week <laughs> Only because I think this is, as you said earlier, it's the insanity of the internet. That a rumor was going around the internet so much. There's an upcoming movie with Leonardo DiCaprio called The Revenant, which is uh, uh, Inoritu's, uh, Alejandro Inoritu, the guy who directed Birdman. Yeah. Uh, he, he is, uh, 
it's kind of a frontier story. Uh, certainly, Leonardo DiCaprio. There's a lot of Oscar buzz around it, and somehow the rumor got out that there is not one. I think I even read at one point there are two scenes in which in which Leonardo DiCaprio. And I'm sorry. Trigger warning. I mean, and I don't make to mean to make light of, of 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 this as a crime. I'm just saying, as a rumor, this is ridiculous. That Leonardo DiCaprio gets raped by a bear, not once but twice. Yeah, uh, and that rumor became so prevalent that Fox had to release the studio had to release issue a press release saying, "No, there is no scene in which." I, of course, they also told us Fantastic Four was good, so yeah, maybe well, they are lying to us. Fox. Which I, I should mention, by the way, they have very quietly removed Fantastic Four 2 from their release slate. Good. So they have good. a move forward. Good. Th- that cheer you just heard from Southern California was not Nate cheering the Warriors, though I'm sure he is. It was that he just heard me say that all the way down to Southern California and, and, and cheered. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Last week we kind you didn't, of... You didn't finish the... the they said that there is no such scene that is right. There's no, they're right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's all there is to it. I just think it's hilarious that in this world now, that's probably the best publicity to the people that don't just go to art, you know, that they, they go to blockbusters. Right. They're going to go, wait a minute. There's a, there's not a scene where Leonardo. I mean, yeah, I don't Will know. It be in the director's cut. Yeah. Or do they want to see, does the bear get real intimate at least? Uh, yeah. you know, what is it? And, and then, it, and then the rumor was that it was two is like, mm, yeah. it reminds me of a really bad joke, which I won't tell here. But if you'd like to know, email me at editor at fanboyplanet.com. I, I heard it from Penn Gillette telling the story on a radio show. Anyway, um, I failed to mention last week, uh, we, we had Sal Pizarro on. It was very fun. And I'm sure Michael Rabel's listening to this right now being very upset with us. But, uh, we had Sal Pizarro on last week and we were sort of dancing around Good Dinosaur, which had one of the lowest openings in Pixar, uh, Pixar's history this last weekend. Which I sort of agree with. My review was I enjoyed the movie well enough. It just wasn't like great. You know, it was like yeah. it was like a fifties Disney western, but with a dinosaur and a boy instead of a boy and his dog. Uh, but the short I wanted to talk about because we talked about the Disney shorts on the Blu-ray. Right. One of the most moving, personal, great shorts that Pixar has released called Sanjay's Super Team. So it, I mean, and it touches on our world perfectly because. It says based mostly on a true story. And the director of the film is a guy, I can't remember his last name, but it turned out I had one of his books, uh, Sanjay, and I don't remember what his last name is, but uh, Chronicle Books he released a few years, The Little Book of Hindu Deities. Mm. And it's about being a child, uh, about his being a child and wanting to, and watching a superhero television show and playing with the action figures while his father is trying to uh, perform a you know, ceremonial prayer for the family altar for the Hindu gods. And that his father wants him to go to not watch television and to come over and join the prayer. And he's got his action figure of the super team leader and how it all merges in his fantasy world and realizing that basically the Hindu gods are like superheroes. Right. And what moved me about it was not only was it personal and it's very clear that it's about, you know, accepting your own culture and, and emerging of cultures. And then at the end, they, they show a still photograph of, of the live photo of the guy and his father. And so you realize that there is, even though it's obviously heavily exaggerated, right? there is a kernel of truth here. But the fact that you'll start this movie, people will go to Pixar and that you, 
including in, in a Disney release, an honest look at Hinduism, another culture, another culture, yes. and and not trying. It was wonderful, great short. I honestly enjoyed it more. And it is not not a poor reflection on Good Dinosaur, but really that short was so much more experimental and interesting, and just I don't partially because it's, it's dealing with superheroes, and I know that immediately catches my sure. attention. But it was just it was so personal. Whereas I think if if the Good Dinosaur has a flaw, it's that it is somewhat formulaic. Like I could immediately catch, oh, it's it's not Old Yeller exactly, but you know there are a lot of shows, a lot of Disney westerns that would show up on the uh, Wonderful World of Disney on NBC on Sunday nights that were like this, you know. And so I, I just want to call out that if you're interested in seeing the Good Dinosaur and you're on the fence. Sanjay's super team is should be enough reason to get you to the theater now. Oh, that's good. And Good Dinosaur is is good. It's not. It's just not great. But Sanjay's super team should push you to go and say and check it out. When so. we saw it at D twenty three, we saw the previews and stuff, and I was intrigued by the just the beauty of the film of, of which Good Dinosaur. dinosaur. And, and that's the thing is, you get so. The beauty of it is no doubt it is a, it is amazing, but I shouldn't. I shouldn't be distracted from the story enough to start noticing how technically excellent it is. Yeah. To me, yeah. that's a second viewing thing where you sure. go, oh. Yeah. But on the first time around, I was seeing it. You know, and, and be, <laughs> But that's also the nature of, of that type of story. Mm-hmm. Because, like I say, if you were watching it in, in VistaVision back in, in, you know, Buena Vista Color back in the 50s, in VistaVision and, you know, and just the way that it's, it's paced like an old 50s movie. And, uh, you know, I'll go full disclosure. One of my former students worked on it. And so she's got, she's credited a couple of times. Jessica Kelly, we shot, we shot out. Magnificent work. Um, you know, she was, I can't remember what the, what the titles were, but, um, but, you know, she worked basically on the back, on the backgrounds and, and, and the props as, cause they do prop modeling, you know, she, right. she worked on props. And, you know, it's, it's a visually gorgeous film, although I would also say the design of the main dinosaurs, uh, of Arlo and his family are a little odd with everything else because everything else looks so much more like a dinosaur as we know them. Right, right. Um, and, and they didn't show that in the previews. They didn't. That uh, part isn't in the, the previews. That, the, that his family? The, right. Well, but you look at Arlo himself. He looks – his skin looks like Rex from right. Toy Story. So I'm wondering if that's supposed to be like a missing link idea. But, um, you know, so it was interesting. You know, it was it was good – and I admit in my review that one of the things is when I start watching, it's like it's like eventually when you've watched Cars a second time and you go, "Who built these cars? Yeah. What happened to the people?" And you know, like Toy you're Story, you're looking for the deeper mythology here. I, I am. I mean, yeah. if you're going to world build, and you know, that's the problem. You do a live action western, and you go, "There's the pioneer family on the farm." You don't need to see the rest of the world because you know, I don't need to know that. But I'm intrigued when the characters wonder at themselves. No car has ever questioned that, but uh, and no dinosaur does, and that's the thing. It's like, well, you know, I, when I go with an agrarian, and I, I know I go too deep, but if, when you go to a, a rural family, and if they're all still herbivores, why right. do they need why to? They... Why do they need to farm? Right. You know, and, and was there no evolution? So, you know what? I know that's too deep, and I know that a kid watching that movie is not going to no. ask that question. So, no. take your kids. It is it is a good movie. Um, Dragon's Lair, we talked about a couple uh, a couple weeks ago with the Kickstarter campaign. They chose to end their Kickstarter campaign and instead relaunch on Indiegogo. 
um, where it has actually already in the first 24 hours been more successful yeah. than it was on Kickstarter. So they I, changed up the rewards and the the what a lot of people don't realize between Kickstarter and Indiegogo is that Kickstarter they don't fund you, if you don't if you don't fund you don't get any money. Yeah. Indiegogo when you're over you get whatever money was provided to you to right they can still they can still create the four minute um pitch reel they're trying to create right and uh, again all for it when i i I look back in and research because i posted this on fanboy planet today realizing that one of the things is you know they really we talked about titan ae and i thought no that couldn't have been the last thing they did there must have been something else no they haven't made a movie since 2000 and, you know, that ended because it didn't do well. Fox didn't want to continue their contract after being very successful with Anastasia. Yeah. Which, and, and I think, I guess it was just direct video was Bartok the Magnificent, the sequel to, to Anastasia. Right. And, uh, or sort of the sidequel because it was about right. the bat. But, uh, you know, so to realize that these guys who really are masters of, I guess we call it hand drawn animation or 2D animation, they're masters of it. And realize that they haven't been able to, they haven't made a movie in 15 years. And, and, you know, I, I don't think they're suffering, but the artistic urge. And to go back and expand out Dragon's Lair, I, I'm cool with it. The, the thing about it is that and I thought Anastasia definitely has a story. You know, it's, yeah. it's, but Titan AE, while I enjoyed it while I was watching it, it didn't grab me as, as a, a, a compelling story to, to carry me through. That, that that film got a lot of a lot of promotion and a lot of uh, tie-in stuff. Well, and like I said a few weeks ago, I know that they weren't particular. I, I I don't think I'm betraying any confidence. I had a conversation with Gary Goldman where he had said that it's like you know basically I think it was actually at a Comic Con panel first where he said we told Fox teen boys don't go to animation. You know that's not where the market is. Yeah. So they were making a movie they didn't want to with the with the hope that that would be. They were going to turn around, and I know at one point they had they had a script by Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon had given them, I think, a Dracula that was animated, that mm. was meant to be animated, and they wanted to do that. And you know, I, that just never came came to fruition. What I was going to say, I wonder was, if that was Hotel Transylvania. The thing about Dragon's Lair is the characters are in the in the video game are very very two dimensional. I mean, Daphne is a damsel in distress with a lot of sexuality well, piled on, but there's nothing there that makes you think that. Well, isn't the gameplay dirt- only 14 minutes when you if you do everything right? If you do everything right, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> instead of the 14 days it took me to get three minutes into it, and I don't think there's any dialogue between the characters except for Daphne saying Dirk help me Dirk, I don't think he yeah. says anything no I know he doesn't he just mm, so mm, yeah mm. so they're gonna have to dig down and find a story there if they've gonna, got they an outline and it's there on the Indiegogo there's an outline and they said that they're going to work with a with a screenwriter they didn't yeah. announce who that was I don't know if they've actually uh, contracted with it but you know this is sort of the thing uh, that when you're talking about Don Luth Productions they may not have somebody right now but there's a whole lot of people who that are good professionals now who grew up yeah. watching them. And you yeah. can say, no matter what else, uh, you know, how many times you run into somebody that they only did the first Land Before Time. And to me, that's probably the best of them. Yeah. And there's a whole generation that just loves those movies. American Tale, they did the first, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and I think their first really still is. I like Anastasia a lot, quite honestly. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. Um, 
But Secret of Nim, the first feature oh, yeah. length they did, was just gorgeous, you know, and, and a great film. And so, you know, again, there's a generation. These people are working in Hollywood now. Right. Um, so I think it, it it's not too hard that they could attract some uh, top-notch talent, although I'll just throw out there, Gary, Don, if you're listening, you know, I, I've been known to write. Uh, they don't want me. Uh, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, anyway, uh a, a huge misstep, misstep on Entertainment Weekly's uh, part this week. That's a magazine, right? That's a magazine. Uh, well, you know the thing is, you know, I think it was was it Brett Harden that put out that yeah. question of like who subscribes to magazines? What do like, you subscribe to? And I realized that everything that I want ends up online free from uh, most of these. Like I subscribed to Entertainment Weekly last year because I thought I need it's time to give I back. had a subscription to it about two years ago. And then I would end up recycling all these issues and barely thumbing through them yeah. because it's like uh, everything that was interesting already leaked online, all the photos. Um, Debbie you know, buys it and falls asleep on it. That's what she does. Okay. I, you know, she's going to sleep. So eh. anyway, they did a Civil War cover. First look at Captain America Civil War. And I've got it here. Uh, so they have uh, Chris Evans, we'll presume Chadwick Boseman in full Black Panther uh, costume. Right. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. And uh, they're all standing side by side. And the cover copy says, the biggest Marvel movie yet introduces Black Panther. Cool. Right? So far, so good. He's tall, powerful, and has claws that a real housewife would envy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the worst crime. Of those three characters, Evans and Downey looking straight out, you know, very grimly at the at right. the reader. And I understand they don't want to show Chadwick Boseman's face because they want to establish the look of the Black Panther. Well, he is standing behind them, almost he's, like he's photobombing a little yes. bit. So. And then they have a word balloon. Well, I wouldn't call it a balloon because it's not a balloon. It's just a caption with a, you know, a call-out tail. caption. Well, it's a, you know, it, it's 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 meant it's to be common spoken word. Yes, and that spoken word is meow. Yeah, I think we're just going to leave that there. If you are upset by that cover, we completely understand, and that's all I want to say. It's just embarrassing because that's not the kind of character where you play his first major media appearance in most people's consciousness. You don't make fun of that character. You didn't make fun of Superman. You didn't make fun of Batman. Yeah. You wouldn't. You might make fun of Spider Man now because it's like third times the charm, right? Um, but when Iron Man first, you know, even when you've done Doctor Who covers, there hasn't been as much tongue in cheek with Doctor Who. So this stuff typically gets done by the editor. The all the all the pull quotes and stuff that are on the front cover, right? right. And it's just somebody who just doesn't know or appreciate the source material. But that doesn't mean what I'm saying is they haven't. That same editor could have done that with other covers and didn't with other characters. And right, so this right, is, right. you know, it, it's just tone deaf at at best. Um, at worst, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and tell me what you think. Because um, flip side, a character you can do this for, I, I discovered Sunday night. There's a beautiful, uh, you know, I love these photo ops at movie theaters where they've got the, the cardboard stand-ups that you can take your picture with. Right. There's a there's a Santa chair with Deadpool in it with the Santa hat saying season's greetings so you can take that so and then which they put out as a poster for this holiday season for Deadpool coming out on February 12th 2016 but they also did a cheesecake shot of him like sort of the um 
copper tone, the girl getting her, her, you know, so he's just showing off his buttocks and saying, uh, smart ass, bad ass. Um, no, I've got the whole thing. Anyway, it's a, I should run the photo because it's hilarious. Um, and it, you know, that, that it's just, there has been no misstep with Deadpool that. other than, than Wolverine origins, uh, X-Men origins in that, you know, it's like, I mean, Ryan Reynolds went out trick or treating with kids dressed as the X Men. I mean, he's just doing it. He's a fan. Yeah, and you know, so it, it's cool. Um, Disney uh, in this week's Star Wars news, Disney did announce their casting call for the young Han Solo spinoff movie. They've had over two thousand five hundred young actors apply to see if they could get an audition to play Han Solo. In the Star Wars anthology Young Han Solo film. Oddly enough, I think 2,500 is the number of shows that Harrison Ford appeared on yesterday to promote <laughs> Star Wars. I, I'll i give you that one. I, he was morning to evening. He was on the late night. He was He's on the early shows. I am trying so hard to avoid everything because now I'm just like, ah. He didn't talk at all about the – the only thing he talked about was how he broke his leg. Okay, good. That's because yeah. that's – ahead of time no i mean he's good at keeping secrets don't there's no question i just i'm just avoiding everything because i don't i don't want to find out anything accidental like i said even going on star tours where there's just the slightest thing where i realize it's not really a spoiler the more i i've accidentally caught a leak of footage i'm like so i was at the gym yesterday morning on the treadmill and there's a tv and i don't usually watch the tv but i look up and it's harrison ford and they don't have the sound turned on they've got the the so I'm I'm walking as far back on the treadmill as I can, so I can look up and see what he's what he's talking about, and because I'm pretty sure he's not going to give away anything. Yeah, and it was all about the the, uh, and then throughout the day he was on stuff, and then he was on the uh, uh, not Colbert, but um, who's the other Kimmel. guy? Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. No, 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 not Kimmel. Uh, James Corden. Nope. We have oh. so many options. Nope. Jimmy uh, Fallon. Fallon. He was on Fallon's show. Jimmy. He's on Jimmy's show. So many. Yeah. So many. I, I know. He was everywhere. So uh, we should also add that uh, the Star Wars app, which has been kind of fun, um, you know, you can take photos of yourself, it, you know, match up and do, you can be in Carbonite, uh, so forth. There's all kinds of little sound and, and there's emo- Star Wars emojis you can copy over into your texting Facebook. from it. Oh. Uh, uh, I suppose from Facebook too. Uh, and uh and there's a v, uh, an AR augmented reality experience where the little drone from episode four where Luke is training with the helmet on. Oh, yeah. You can do and like you have to move your phone to to block it as it's appearing in the phone. In front Interesting. Of you. So it floats around your room uh, if you look if you're looking through the phone and tilt to to catch it. I mean, it's clever. It is. It's certainly distracted my son enough. Uh, but they did uh, this week download uh, and you could pick up a Google Cardboard. Uh, apparently, at Verizon today was an R two D two themed Google Cardboard frame. Interesting that you could pick up from Verizon, uh, and they have a and it, I guess an episodic VR uh, experience called Jakku Hunt. And we know Jakku is the t- the desert planet that most people see in the trailer and go, "Oh, is that Tatooine?" Tatooine. No, it's Jakku. Please, um, you know, uh, totally different sound. I know. I mean, I have to ask this because I've noticed. I, I I have long noticed this about Empire Strikes Back. Follows actually a lot of Flash Gordon. As far as like, there's the ice planet of, right. of Mongo, the you know, and the the jungle planet. 
Was there a desert planet in the original Alex Raymond's? Jeez, probably. I don't remember. You know, so I mean, I just think you know. Seems I think it's really just Empire Strikes Back that kind of follows that pattern of like, oh, you know, and there's and Bespin is clearly this the city of the Hawkmen. Yeah, you know. So um, maybe Star Wars doesn't, but you know. Anyway, Jakku. So I have not forest the forest where where you are Arbor is yeah uh, yeah and Prince uh, Prince Baron yeah Um, but. Anyway, the, the Star Wars app, which has been fun, has a VR, and I got to try out. I, I know I still have my Google Cardboard from the Expanse this summer that I need to set up and and try it because I did I did take the download. For people um, who don't know, Google Google Cardboard is an amazingly crafted bit of uh, origami where you you fold together this headset that you set your phone into. Well, it's, it's VR origami, please. It's VR origami. No, VR origami. Um, anyway, so if for very low cost, you can end up with a, a, a VR three-dimensional head tracking experience. And I know we've talked about it in the podcast yeah. before, and, and both of us have a fascination with what's going to happen with virtual reality. Yeah. I mean, last week on the gift guide, we mentioned the, you know, the Viewmaster. Right. Um, so I, you know, this is a great way, I mean, to go ahead and, and, and try it. The app is free. Um, and so why not download it, you know, and and check it out and see and see what we're talking about. Like how exciting is this? And it's Star Wars because everything's going to be Star Wars for the next month. Whereas you have to say, no, 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 no. The products just happen to make Star Wars appearances are in it. It's not to sell products. No, it is. Oh Lord. I mean, even my son, I which just cracked me up. What were we watching? Uh, I guess we. I guess it was watching the Flash on Comcast on Sunday morning. And an ad came up because you can't skip the ads, right? On on, uh, on demand, so an ad came up for Alvin and the Chipmunks Road Chip, yeah, which opens December eighteenth, yeah. And my son said, "Are you kidding me? They're opening that against Star Wars? Who's going to see anything but Star Wars?" I went, "Well, five people will go see Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in Sisters that also opens that day. Actually, Sister looks pretty good. I know it looks good, but please, I'm going to see Star Wars I first. Know, know. But you know, it's like um it, you know, it, it's what we call counter programming. I think son. there's a lot of a lot of people going, well, you couldn't get in to see Star no, Wars. So huh? how about Road Chip? Sisters. <laughs> Isn't that the most disappointing? I mean, That's I don't strategy. know. I don't know. You know, if your if your children are too young for Star Wars, and they may very well be. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't no. know how intense this movie is. Um, then okay, take him to see Road Chip. Um, if your mother is too old for Star Wars, take her. To let see her go. Sisters. No, don't take her. Just let her go see his sisters, <laughs> and you you say I'll I'll pick you up in the lobby after Star Wars is over. Um, so anyway, uh, let's get to TV, uh, and that is good news in comic book fandom world. Supergirl got a full season, yes. although unfortunately uh, Greg Berlanti did uh, say that no, there is not going to be a Flash. Supergirl crossover this season. Oh, it's too bad. But they're, you know, the door's not closed. It's just they didn't need it. They've got the full season. Because with all the stuff that's happening in the Flash Green Arrow crossovers. Oh, that which really, is going to be DC's Legends of Tomorrow, too. That that jump starts her into a whole Oh, universe. my gosh. So, yeah, I want to get done here so I can go home and watch Arrow. <laughs> I mean, because it was that good. No, I And what that. I loved about the Flash episode, and I know you're not there, I just want to say, is like every time they've done the crossover, They've given you just enough information that if you hadn't watched the other show, right, right, right. the other series rather, you're caught up. Like we, so I know that Arrow, which I'm way, 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 way behind. I'm still in season one because by still in meaning I still haven't watched it in like two and a half years. But except for the crossover episodes, 
I know that Damian Dark is one of the villains this year. Yes. So that's who he's fighting at the beginning. Yes. You just see how badass as a villain he is, and then he's gone. You know, he disappears. It's all about them fighting Vandal Savage and awakening the Hawks, basically Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Um, John Barrowman's in there. And so it was a quick like, oh, if you're a fan of comics, you know exactly what role John Barrowman is playing. Uh, you know, I mean, like what right. analog he's being. And it's like, no, I didn't need to watch. I didn't need to feel like I was caught up on Arrow. Yeah, you didn't miss too, you missed the setup for White Canary. And what it reminds me of is like when you'd read comics and you'd only get half the crossover right, right, or right. you weren't, you know, or you'd buy the other you'd series the, the for one issue. You'd buy the series for one issue because yeah. it crossed over with the book you wanted and you go, oh, that's kind of fun. Maybe I'll go back and catch that. And that's what these shows are doing now. And then this is definitely going right into Legends of Tomorrow because – the flat, the end of the episode, they show that trailer that I posted last week on, uh, you know, on Fanboy Planet for Legends of Tomorrow. And I'm like, awesome. Now the rumor is that unfortunately Legends of Tomorrow may CW is really keeping a tight eye on it because uh, it's a very expensive series, which I'm excited to hear. It's a very expensive series it. to produce, and that they may consider it. There were two rumors that came out. It was either it's an anthology series, which means it's a different legend, a different team each year. Yeah. So that maybe next year, because there was a rumor that maybe Matt um, Ryan would come back as Constantine to join the team in the second year. and But then the CW's response was, they may not even do a second season even if it does well because it's so expensive. That we're treating this as, we Legends of Tomorrow may actually be more like, it's a, it's a mini-series. We get to enjoy this little extra thing, or like Agent Carter. Yeah. Eight, yeah. eight episodes, and then something else could be in there. I don't know. It really just depends on how well they do. Um, and uh, which, by the way, Agent Carter is delayed by two weeks. It was going to come out in, in January 5th, uh, but January 12th is the State of the Union address, and they didn't want to have to take a week off, get you all excited with a two hour yeah, premiere. That's smart. And then be gone. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But again, what do we say at these times like, times like this? Thanks, Obama. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> this is the closest to political commentary in this crap show we're calling the real world right now that I'm going to get tonight. Um, <laughs> other things that are worthwhile. Adult Swim, of all things, announced today that Samurai Jack, a Cartoon Network favorite, is coming back that's awesome. on Toonami, but to Adult Swim. And that's interesting because the first series was an all allegedly an all-ages all series. Right, but it was pretty It was very violent. sophisticated and violent, but now it's going to be part of the Toonami block uh, for Adult Swim. So they're in production now. That's all the information they gave was yeah. a teaser poster, a little teaser trailer that was really just a t- the teaser poster animated. And uh, so I don't know if Phil Lamar is coming back. Uh, I would assume it's a, what little there was of original cast. Jendi Tartakovsky is indeed, or Jendi Tartakovsky, right? No, Tartakovsky uh, is still direct, is back directing, and it was his baby. So it's interesting, and, I, and I, just and such a stylish production, just yeah, amazingly, yeah, wonderfully a really stylish. interesting show and a really interesting concept, uh, Samurai. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Samurai Jack, there's a good. I think it was Boom Studios, but it might be have been IDW. I just mm. know that um, Jim Zub was writing it. There was a Samurai Jack series that was about 19 ep- issues that kind of continued in the last, and it just ended a couple months ago. Yeah. So I don't know if that's credit to the comics for keeping the flame alive and getting people interested again. But uh, for those who aren't familiar with the concept, it's this this, this 
samurai gets uh, from feudal Japan is sent forward into a post-apocalyptic world where the demon Aku is uh, is, is tormenting him, and he's trying wonderfully two-dimensional. I oh mean, yeah, just, I mean it's a very stylistic, you know, and, yeah. and it, it's like and that's what like I you know you want to see. Well, you know, this is what makes what makes animation interesting to me when you're when you look at like you know what's going to get say like we talked about this last year like why did the Lego Movie not get nominated for best animated feature or you know it's like I don't know what they're going for when they nominate movies for you know, or there was just Annie Awards were just uh, nominations were just announced right and I say like when I look at what should be like a best animated feature or a best animated series is like what's really stretching what the the art form can right. do and. You know, because there are plenty of shows, animated shows that I love. Like I love the Venture Brothers. The writing is sharp. The voice acting is great. The design is cool. I don't think it stretches what animation no. can do. But I love watching the animated series. It's so referential, though. Yeah, but I mean, does, but you know, so I mean, just don't get me wrong. But when a show pushes you with its design and right. pushes you with its art form, and and really says, "Oh, this is something that only animation can do." It's like you look at the Disney shorts again. And you look at all the different styles of the, or their oh yeah, there. or even what the, you know Disney's been doing with the Mickey Mouse shorts yeah are you know it's it's playing with what what uh, I guess is for lack of a better is it Flash that they're using what are they uh, because they are compute you know they used to use Flash for that kind of, that kind of okay. stuff but they don't use it anymore uh, whatever they're doing it's a very modern well like. I'm not happy that Cartoon Network is like they've taken Scooby Doo and made it look like Uncle Grandpa, and they're t- and and they're just following a trend that they themselves have created because they've had one special thing. Whereas when yeah. Uncle Grandpa came out as a show or regular show came out or Gumball, those were groundbreaking. But then don't follow slavishly and don't take an old property and make it that. Whereas right. you know, no, that's the look of that. You know, I don't. Right. I sort of, but the Mickey Mouse shirts are the ones where I would say that does actually. actually Show that you can fall, you know, redesign the character. I'm not going to be that upset. Although you go back to get a horse, there it used the right. new possibilities of animation to do something amazing with an old look. So, uh, anyway, we're happy to see Samurai Jack back. And the last thing we want to say, of course, is that this Saturday will be the season ender of Doctor Who. And my lord did not see that, <sighs> that wow. cliffhanger, where it's going, did not see that coming. And, uh, Powerful! I'm so excited for that. And then, honestly, we know we know we have the Christmas special with the return of River Song. I'm kind of glad Nate didn't make this. We, we put him to sleep <laughs> with this. Yeah. But the return of River Song and the point that Stephen Moffat has made is like, well, now the Doctor and Alec, you know, that Peter Capaldi and Alex Kingston are sort of like, uh, you know, they're almost age appro- almost age appropriate as a couple. I, mean, I, I, I should well, say age yeah. appropriate, but they're close in age. And it's the first time that they look physically like they. Like they could be, and uh, that they—they basically he called it Mister and Mrs. Doctor. So I'm saying it's like it's like the Doctor as Nick and Nora Charles. Nick and Nora, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. And so you know, this Christmas special sounds like it could be pretty, pretty fun. Uh, so looking forward to that, but looking forward to one hell of a se- season finale on on Saturday night. Um, so I don't want to spoil that anybody who's because like, I I have so many friends that are like. That are going well. We're just banking them all, and they're going to binge because oh. this is how Netflix has ruined everything, right? Yeah. Everybody binges, you know. And I'm not even—I—I I, I can't even do that. It's like I don't—I I don't do it anymore because I mean, like, I'm going through Jessica Jones slow 
Yeah, I think the people who are really complaining about the the episodes, they go, "Well, I you know feel like it felt like it was too long." I'm like, well, yeah, you didn't give any time to percolate between. Well, you know, episodes. and that's the thing I noticed when I was watching the last few seasons of Smallville. Would be I would be lost all year on my summer vacation. Yeah, and I would, and Warner Brothers would send me the DVDs, so I would I would take three days and go through the season and realize you really notice the formula. Yeah. Now, a criticism le- lodged at Jessica Jones, which I think is is valid, is that so far what I've seen is it would be nice if the if the Netflix storytelling style had some had like a one off episode. Instead, it's all one mega narrative. Right. So, like a friend of mine asked today, messaged me from work and said, um, "I was watching this and like, is Kilgrave the only th- like?" Once they, if they catch Kilgrave, because she wasn't at the end, you know, she's about where I am at episode seven. That if they catch Kilgrave, then is the show pretty much over, you know, because it, because every episode is about that instead right. of, well, how about, you know, what the comic series was, was like, what's, she's what's she these, investigating she's now? She's solving these, you know, right. she's, what's, what's all this about the Captain America videotape? Yeah, which I, which I realize you can't do. You know, but you could, and that's the problem is that instead of you don't have to have Chris Hemsworth, you can do what Shield did in that first episode and just show a glimpse of the hammer or right. a glimpse of the shield or something. Right. They've done a good job of time. There's an episode where they really do a good job of of acknowledging that other world. I don't know if you're that far yet, no, so no. I don't want to spoil that. But no. they they acknowledge it, and that's all I need. Yeah, just yeah. convince me. With good writing, that it's in the same universe. But the story, the, that story was one of of ethics and and yeah and hard decisions to to be made about and and in the comic series, it's near the end. Yeah. Um, you oh know, no, it's like Kilgrave. The, no, it's, no, oh, no it, Kilgrave is Kilgrave. Yeah. The Captain America is the first. No, it's the first, first one. Right. First but that's arc. what I'm saying yeah. is we established who Jessica was. Right. And you had several a couple right. of years before right. of establishing there's some dark secret in her past, and now it's like nope. We're starting with the dark secret, yeah, yeah. and so I, I'm not. Which is fine. I'm I mean, not disliking yeah. the series, and I think the thing is, what's happened with the Netflix storytelling is they did. I don't think they expected things Daredevil to be as successful as it was. Yeah, that plan is originally announced. Let's do thirteen Daredevils, thirteen Jessica Jones, thirteen Luke Cages, and you know, boom, and then create the Defenders. Well, Daredevil got a season two. Yeah. Now what do we do? And then, you know, Joe Quesada had to make a statement last week. We promise you Iron Fist will happen. It's not We're not going to do a Punisher series instead. Iron right. Fist will still happen. Right. But the reality is John Bernthal in Daredevil Season 2 as the Punisher might be popular enough that Marvel's got to look into doing a Netflix series. Oh, that's that. the beauty of them dumping everything into Netflix queues because it yeah. doesn't matter if two of them come out at the same time. You can just watch one and watch the other one. It's not like... It's not like, oh, I only have this Saturday to go out and see a movie. Well, and my problem is that it, because I was focusing on Jessica Jones, I'm not binging. It's just that I right, have time for maybe right. an hour, maybe two a night. Yeah. Um, and I do try to alternate because I'm like, I can't take so much Jessica Jones. Uh, you know, but like I, I need to go to over to my Amazon Prime because Man in the High Castle came out. I haven't yeah, watched any of the I new episodes. I haven't watched any of the new ones. You know, and uh, because the pilot was great. So. That's our recommendation. If you get a chance and you have Amazon Prime, check out Man in the High Castle. Yes. Because you've probably already binge-watched Jessica Jones. Um, and if you haven't, well, catch that up too. But, but, you know. Anyway, so we'll check that out. Uh, you know, that's it for uh, this week. And so we want to say, uh, once again, you know, you can find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher. I set all that up top. You did. Let's just go 
with, once again, reminding you that if you need, uh, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And of course, check out fanboyplanet.com for articles, releases, pictures, occasional videos. Uh, and especially as we're going from the legacy site, which is still there, legacy.fanboyplanet.com. You can find, uh, 15 Search years worth still of, find everything. 15 years worth of content. Uh, but, you know, is that there's some stuff, in it. and occasionally I find like today I had to post a new because it ties in with Creed. Did an interview with Dolph Lundgren a few years ago and found, oh yeah, there's a, you know, Lon put it, Lon Lopez put it to pictures and, so I said, that's, I'm not gonna bury that in our archives. I'm gonna put that up front and say, sure. this is cool, this is timely. Check it out. It's a cool interview. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of treasures in the Fanboy Planet past, and you can check that out. So uh, we will meet again. Uh, and when we do, I will still be Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brettsnyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. Ta-da. Ta-da.